I am your host, Raquel Ark, an American podcasting from Germany, and this is Listen In. Join this series of conversations with inspiring scientists, leaders, and authors about listening as a surprising superpower that is not always as easy as it seems. Believe me, I know, and I've been learning and will continue to learn, and I hope that this podcast will help you find practical ways to help others listen better while you become better at leading people, catalyzing collaboration, transforming conflict, building trust and engagement, And I'll tell you, when really good listening happens, then the entire group, including you, can feel energized and inspired. So sit back and enjoy listening beyond what we typically think of. How can continuous feedback help you to be a great leader? According to Susanna Morell, it helps you listen to make a more objective assessment while keeping you on the pulse of the organization, and what your team needs, and how you can move together towards a common goal with market trends top of mind. Susanna is CEO of Hill & Knowlton Strategies in Germany. She has also been Managing Director at JPCOM and served as CEO of Edelman for six years, overseeing the acquisition and merger with Ergo Communication. Susanna was my first door opener in the German workforce and my first boss at chemical company Cognos, which was later acquired by BASF. At Cognos, Susanna was vice president corporate communications, responsible for corporate and sustainability communications worldwide. We worked together during the integration into BASF. After, she held the role of vice president corporate brand management. She has been one of my role models, and I have learned a lot about how to listen strategically in organizations. Enjoy listening in to our conversation about listening to the pulse of the organization to lead successfully. Susanna was my first boss in Germany after I moved to Germany. Before I could speak the language well. And it was my first experience working here in Germany. So I experienced Susanna as a boss, as a leader. So some of my questions may come also from some of the experience that, experiences that we have had in our past. And I'm really curious where this conversation will take us. So Susanna, to get started, I love to ask uh, everyone a very simple question, or maybe not so simple. When do you, did you start to become aware of listening, whether it worked or it didn't work? You know, I had my intellectual moment with listening as a leadership skill from the early beginning, from my communication expertise and from my working. I think that I always have done this very intuitive and that it's a very important part to be a good communication practitioner and to be a good leader. But I have never thought about, hey, I am the listener. Yes. And that's, I think that's really funny because um, when I, to be honest, when I'm working with leaders right now in coaching, especially also with listening, I use examples from what I observed of what you did when it came to listening, because I noticed that you did listen well, and you had certain strategies where you uh, put listening into practice. And I'm not even, I'm like, I wonder if you even know that you did this. 
<laughs> yeah, this is a good question. I think partly I know it. So when I say I do it intuitively, I think, you know, working in communication, you have to be very curious. You have to understand situations. You have to understand complexity. And so only by listening, if you dig in, in a new business model, you will be able to understand what's behind and how things play together. However, next to this part, I was always very interested in training leadership skills, in coaching, in systemic coaching. So I went through several trainings where for sure active listening was trained a lot. So really in coaching, how you understand the systems and how do you listen and how do you, you know, structure your questions. So this is something to be very clear. I was trained around a lot, but it's more also here kind of intuitive how I use that. I do not go in a meeting and tell myself, now I will do this with the instrument A, B or C. I just do it. Yeah. Okay, so you're in the communication profession, and you've been a leader in this profession. And often when we think about communication, we think only about, you know, what, what is written, what is said, what's the message, you know, these types of things. And yet, what you're talking about right now is the flip side, you know, through the training that you've had in terms of coaching and whatnot, um, that had a lot to do with active listening. And yet active listening is a very how should I say, it's it's a quiet (laughs) skill, superpower thing that's there that allows you to become more effective with the communication with with what is said or expressed or a story that's told or whatnot. When you look back at some of maybe some of the projects or roles that you've played in the past, can you think of a, a time where you feel like having, being able to listen and being trained in this way supported you in being able to be successful in a project or in a a certain situation or has supported you in your leadership role? Yeah, actually both. Now I have to focus not to overwhelm you for hours with with stories. (laughs) But um, as you know, and we we had part of the story also with Cognis, I have by chance being quite often being part of a big merger of a big integration where companies were brought together or where one company bought another company. And I think I have done this already very early in my career, uh, beginning of the 90s. And if you integrate two different companies, so listening was, I think, one of the main superpowers you needed to get a good feeling for the cultural part, which could make such transformation successful or not successful. And learning about the two different companies, how they work, what the expectations are, what the processes are, what people would expect, what they see as a kind of advantage and all of these things. So in all of these projects where I was part of of the integration teams, I simply had to listen very well first to give a good recommendation how we could integrate teams, but also to develop the vision why these companies work together and put this vision in a storyline which would be understood by all people globally on which 
whatever level they are working or in which kind of puzzle part they could contribute to the overall story. I, I hope this is not now mm. too complex what I said, but saying especially in a moment where you bring teams together, which used to work totally differently and now have to be unified on a common goal. Their listening is such an important goal. And we all know that especially cultural aspects were for a very long time totally underestimated or really maybe even, you know, not cared about when it came to business transformation. And we all know that communication and leadership can make a transformation successful or not. Yeah. Okay, so let's let's say we're talking to a leader right now. And what you talked about were two big, you know, two companies coming together in terms of a merger, right? And then you also mentioned, you know, bringing two teams together. It's the same thing, just, you know, bringing it down to a smaller level, which is still challenging in of itself. And you say that it's important to listen first to be able to support that process of coming together, right? Exactly, yes. And then from there, pulling out also the vision that all people can understand, you know? So so if you were to be talking to a leader and you were to give them a few tips or or some advice as to what is important to listen to and how do they take what they listen to to be able to put it into a vision or a story that can be understood by everyone? Yeah, I think it's it's two part, this question. The one is uh, how he is creating his vision. And uh, parts of this vision can be developed very well on what he's listening to when he's in discussion with his teams. But first of all, I think a vision always has to be driven by where I want to go. So from market trends and things like that. So first, this leader uh, should have listened to the market and should have listened to the clients. Uh, what are unmet needs currently and how can I bring teams together to get um, better solutions for this unmet needs? So before talking to his team at all and not ignoring the team at this point in time, but a vision always, and especially in today's digital global world, will be or has to be rooted in, you know, market trends, mm. consumer trends, unmet needs and mm. so taking his vision or taking his idea then back to the different teams and listen to what they think they can contribute but also listen to their positive and negative and criticism feedback to his vision or to her vision is very important and not just starting to block if there is someone who's very critical or skeptical about this vision but listen to why. Is there a question behind? Is there an uncertainty behind? Is there simply the resistance to change behind? And to be able to, you know, to unlock what is behind the criticism, what is behind the feedback will help him a lot to later on put his vision in, the, in words which are understood in giving the right context. So I think especially from people who are willing to discuss a lot and to dig in the detail, you can learn a lot also how you frame things and how you develop a vision and how you put it in a storyline. 
And for sure, also from positive feedback or from the questions colleagues simply have. And if they are positive towards you, they will stress test your vision. And this is a unique opportunity in my, in my sense. Uh, people not always start a discussion and want to block you or want to tell you that you are not smart enough. Sometimes they are really driven by they want to understand and they will guide you with their answers to a way how you can put maybe your vision in the right steps and the right activity plan in the right storyline. Hmm. I love that. So, you know, sometimes we, people, you know, get defensive or they worry about the criticism. But if you take that and say, hey, this is actually a way to understand better. Um, what are the questions that are showing up? What are they asking me? What are the words they're using? What is it that they're really trying to understand? Even if it's not really in the question that they're asking at this very moment. And is this what you call, I love this word you said, um, stress test your vision. Is this what you call like people stress testing your vision through trying to understand it, through asking questions, trying to understand different sides of it? Yeah. And, you know, all people in the room, when, when you come with two teams together, and I think maybe you always have someone who, you know, is just resistant for the reason of being or for the sake of being resistant. Yeah. But in principle, you know, feedback is something which is, you know, of highest value for a leader. So if I'm getting feedback, this helps me to develop but it also helps me to give a better analysis where my team stands, where my plans stand. So in each leadership role I, I was in and still today is if I do not get feedback and do not get honest feedback, just formal feedback, then it's something like a flower, which is not, you know, given water to. Actually, I feel like that because I love feedback and what sometimes uh, drives me crazy and I had some of these examples is I always uh, open to give all lines of feedback or dialogue formats or things like that. And still if people are not taking opportunity from this and even if you say then do it anonymously and then, you know, the questions which are coming in quite simple or, you know, where you ask yourself, why do they not asking me eye and eye? This is something where I say a leader needs feedback to be a good leader mm -hmm. and uh, to always, you know, stress test vision, stress test where you stand and also to develop the positive part of listening is you get feedback. And this is really important because a lot of people are really afraid of feedback or they're, they're afraid of that because what if I can't do something about it? You know, this is something that is a big fear that causes people not to, to ask for it. And I think especially in leadership role where you have people around you who maybe want to, you know, I don't know, you know, they want to do, they want to be seen in your good light, you know, especially as an influencer. And then how do you create an environment where they know it's safe for that you're willing to listen to them and that it's safe for them to be able to share things with you, you know, even if it's critical. Psychological safety, I think, is also the term in leadership sessions, which is always discussed a lot around. And I simply try to do this by, yeah, by proving that it's okay, that nothing 
terrible happens that I take the feedback and that I try to give the answer. And quite often, I also, you know, go in front of my teams and say, you can ask me anything. Maybe I decide at a certain point that one question is something I can't answer, but you can ask me anything. You have then to accept uh, if I give you a long answer, a very complex answer, not all answers are black or white. And sometimes I do not have an answer and then I will be candid enough to tell you I do not have an answer. But I'm as a person not afraid of being in the situation that I have to tell someone, you know, I'm very sorry, but I can't answer at the moment for reason A, B, C. So if people put questions towards me, I do not feel under pressure. However, I see a lot of or many groups and leaders in the work of companies we are consulting, but also people I worked together with or I work together with, which get under pressure when too many questions are posed to them. Yeah. And this is, um, it's so interesting, if I may just take a little side jaunt. On one hand, often in leadership positions, we tend to speak more right? You know, people are looking to us towards answers or direction or whatever. And then what you're sharing right now is when there's an open space for question and answers or under other circumstances, then um, we don't want to have a chance to share under, under the circumstances that are out of our control almost, or the, the circumstances where we're, it could be that we don't know the answer. <laughs> and then we're afraid to listen to the question, <laughs> or we don't want to, or that feels, or we feel pressure under that. So it's, it's an interesting, um, it's interesting to look at the context, how that plays out. Yes. And, um, and not, you know, just digging in back to, to the cockpit example, but this is just one example uh, in the very beginning, when Cognis was sold for the first time and uh, we were preparing employee meetings, we asked the managers, you know, that they have to explain a little bit that now, you know, there was a new business decision and the company would have be sold and things like that. And I had so many discussions at this time where managers told me, hey, I will not go in front of 2,000 employees telling them that I do not know who will buy us or that I do not know at which price and or that I do not know if all sites are part of the deal and things like that. And we had, you know, a really strong discussion said, you know, what you have to do as a leader also in uncertain times where you do not have all the facts, you have to stand in front of them to be open for a dialogue. And, you know, if someone throws tomatoes at you because you say, I don't know, then it will be unfair, but you also have to take this. And I just mentioned this example because until today, I experienced this so often in consulting mandates that people only want to go in front of investors or in front of their employees uh, if they have the full story and are fully packed with all, all things and being prepared is important. But um, leading in uncertain times simply means that you have to navigate your team through those times as best as possible, even if you have not always the answers. Mm-hmm. And that's what you're talking about now is also shifting the focus, maybe the type of leadership. It's going from the I, the the person who knows everything, to how are we going to work with this and work through this together? 
Yeah, exactly. And this is what um, really keeps me awake at night, uh, really meaning what does leadership mean today and how do you lead in a VUCA world? And um, for me, there are answers which are very clear that you say you need an um, cooperation, you need an open style, you need dialogue. But what I always see that leading in a VUCA world puts leadership roles even under more pressure because you do not always have a team which says, yeah, sure, we are living in an international digital world and uh, things which were true to yesterday are not true tomorrow. And so I do not have a problem if we navigate and adjust our you know, business plans every two or three weeks. People often want to have very clear criteria about their role development, about their career development, about what is a strategy today, what is a strategy in five years, what is a strategy in eight years. And I see that, especially as a leader, you are under enormous pressure to navigate through a world where not all answers are clear, but having a still very high expectations from teams that you give answers to almost everything. Yeah. You know, so what if leadership were to shift and not always be about answers, but to be about really good questions? Yeah, uh, this is a, <laughs> this is a good starting point, a great effort you have to do to focus your team outside in. Yeah. And outside in meaning? Outside in meaning, hey, what are the trends? What are my competitors doing? And so on. Mm. Um, what is needed? Which kind of services people want? So what you probably would say, you know, what is client-centric? And um, the whole economy is talking about uh, client-centricity, I think, for 15, 20 years now. But this doesn't mean, ultimately, that we are doing this all together. I experience a lot of organizations which are still focused very much from inside out. Yeah. The thing is, when you focus on this outside in, then it's the, the starting point is the big picture. Exactly. Yeah. And, and there is a need for the, the, the picture inside the organization. Um, but the question, who's, who's, where's, the, where's the guiding star? No. Yeah, and, and people, you know, um, I don't know if this is a cultural issue, but um, I work internationally, but also focused partly in Germany. And, and sometimes I have the feeling that, you know, giving a North Star um, without giving 100 criteria, what does it North Star exactly mean, is something people do not feel well enough so yeah. that you know every little point you can make um more definite and more clear is more appreciated mm. yeah the the what some of the um, i'm just thinking a little bit towards the the listening piece is um the there's a you know some research coming out or has been coming out there's a lot of stuff uh, that's you know coming out there recently um showing, you know, how the, the listening piece is what helps support the psychological safety. And when people start to feel safe, uh, the chances that they're willing to change 
that inner part is, you know, to the outer is, is higher. So even becoming less extreme in their prejudices and being more open to um, a dialogue and open to uh, new ways of thinking. Um, and yet th that takes some time. And it's also, you know, it's interesting to pay attention to how do, how do we connect this all so that it's not just about the the one-on-one, -on -one but what you're talking about is also being able to um, do this at a big picture, you know, also, you know, listening to the market and how do we bring this in and how do we bring this in and, and, and work with an environment that is constantly changing. That's just the normal. And how do we work with that in a way that, um, that we're, we don't have to know everything, but yet we still are moving forward <laughs> with what we know at that time in a way that works with the, the, um, you know, with motivation or with well-being of the team around us, but still being connected to this big picture. Those are big questions, Susanna. <laughs> so. Yeah. And, and um, I think many people are now tired to talk about agility and we often, you know, um, deal with agility uh, a lot around technology. So which kind of systems help us to plan smarter and, uh, you know, all the boards you need, which is nice. But uh, technology alone will not make your organization more agile. It's also a mindset. And agile doesn't mean ultimately that you are agile in your mindset if you week, uh, if you meet every day. You know, right. it's something also about your mindset and navigating in uncertainty. And I, I often see a tendency that we, you know, that we push technology around agility and that we push meeting routines around that but it's also you know taking decisions as a leader without having all facts and data on your table and this yeah. is anyhow a leadership skill you should have <laughs> in your basket because you never have all details and as bigger your teams are you are not the expert in many of the specific areas of your team so you always have to decide in, in without having all facts, but especially now in our world, um, then it's even more true. And this is a kind agile means doing that and having a spirit and a culture and leading your team being successful without having, you know, all the data and facts they had five years ago. Yeah. So when you say that, you know, this is a really important um, uh, skill, decision-making skill, um, to have in our, in the leadership, um, role or in terms of, uh, the, the, you know, that role or in the, I don't know if a toolbox is not the right word, but, um, what, um, what would you suggest that would help people to develop the skill of being able to make decisions without knowing everything? Oh, wow. Um, <laughs> um, it's, uh, for sure, one part is, is trusting your team. If we talk about the example I had before, you know, you have a bigger team, they have a lot of different expertise, they are specialists in their field. So first of all, this is best to tackle with trust because uh, if I trust my people that they always will strive for the best solutions, 
or they will come to me if, if they need guidance. With this trust, first of all, then um, it's easier for me to decide without having all facts. And I experienced this, to be very honest, on myself. Uh, if there is for which reason ever, because we had negative experience or whatever, um, and there is not a stable trust, then I also dig in deeper in more details, because then I think, okay, I have to add more complexity knowledge, otherwise I can't decide if the decision is good. But in principle, I work on this with trust. And I always give first trust to a team, even if I do not know it, until the moment where, for which reason ever, uh, something is not working. Um, yeah. So meaning, or if, if I get negative experience or, or any feedback, which makes me skeptical. But um, so giving trust, relying on other competence, uh, letting other people or they their freedom to act is very important. But this was already important 10 years ago to be or to be a good leader. Today, it, it's something that um, I think your North Star, again, um, is of even bigger importance because if you have the direction clear where you would like to go, then at least you have a kind of decision corridor. Even if you do not all have the facts and things are changing, but you have said you go in this direction, this is the right direction. I think many startups are working also here very intuitively with their North Star because they are so convinced by their idea that they, you know, just try it and often, you know, simply miss a base of a lot of things. Um, but their North Star is so clear and just keep them going. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. And, uh, and then if something doesn't work out, they're pivoting to the, they keep that North Star is there, even if they keep pivoting around um, to different areas. Yeah. And they allow a kind of, you know, I think their tolerance um, towards mistakes is by nature much higher than in a classical organization. And I think this is also the reason why for many years, big companies always have to try to invest in startups or to have an additional innovation lab, which is not, you know, totally linked back to their companies simply to, to give more freedom to act and, and to develop an organization with a much higher mistake tolerance and yeah, much more driven also by being able to take risks. Hmm. Yeah. 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 It's, it's really interesting to look at the different types of organizations and what's accepted and, and how different, depending on the size or, or the type of organization, how that plays out. Yeah. And, and what, um, you know, just linking back to, to your main topic, uh, which drives you or is your passion to, to listening. I think, you know, as long as we had very hierarchical, clear organizations with clear uh, career development and, you know, a fixed NOSTA, which was already in place 100 years ago, then you could lead this organization to success also without listening too much. So everything, you know, was maybe in system structures, processes, which did allow a kind of leading an organization this way. And 
I want to say this neutral and don't want to, you know, mm-hmm. um, make it black or white. But in today's or world, it's simply not possible. Um, all these things are not any longer in place. You know, opinion building is totally different than five years ago. So as a company which is taking decisions, suddenly, you know, my decisions can be, you know, taken from a lot of different stakeholders, which I had no clue two months ago that they are there. So meaning we have such a business environment where listening will be one of the major tasks to drive a successful business. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I think we're just discovering what does what that really means, too. There's, you know, the the type of listening where you're listening to your, you know, to your employee on a one on one. There's one thing about the team listening to each other. There's the part we've talked about today about listening to the market and how do you integrate that into the vision. Right. Um, Listening to um, employee meetings or the fear of, (laughs) you know, what might come. Um, But there's there's. you know, I know some some people in my in my network and my world are thinking about you know what would a listening culture look like in an organization, um, and to think of it from also the big picture, starting with listening to the customer or listening to stakeholders, as as well as to the employees to, to the one on one. So from macro to micro, and I think there's. Um, I think there's a lot of work, some really interesting work um, that can be done there that could have a huge influence on organizations and really support um, the direction and how things are in the environment nowadays. Yeah. Um, what, um, you know, I, I was just thinking back, I'm, I'm going to get a little bit, um, I'm going to bring things down to um, some boots on the ground right now. Um, and do a little remembering, remembering of, <laughs> of our time together. So, you know, um, the, co- the company where I was first hired on doesn't exist anymore. It's named Cognis. And Susanna has mentioned that a few times. It used to be a part of Henkel. It was a specialty chemicals um, area that was uh, carved out. And um, at that time. And now, now it was, um, BASF ended up buying the Cognis quite a few years ago. How, how long has it been? I think <laughs> time years. Flies. Yeah. Um, but when, so I'm going to talk a little bit about Cognis, but the time where I remember, um, some specific examples where I noticed how, um, how communication or how even listening played out. And, um, just to start with the the micro, to start with the micro, I remember um, when we would have our one-on-ones, I remember that often you would um, ask me first um, about my topics or about how I thought my performance was, you know, when we were, we were going through my review and whatnot. And I remember often I would try to get you to answer first. I would like ask you certain questions. I tried to distract you. <laughs> Or I would try to ask you first what you thought. I would try to bring it back to you. And it never worked. I could do it with other people, but I couldn't do it with you. You would always get me to talk first. (laughs) And I had a little bit of fun with this. And I was wondering, um, did you do that on purpose? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, we have talked about that several times. Um, Yes, 
I think yes. <laughs> I have done so. You know, but it's if I go in a feedback loop, you know, for me it's so important to understand first uh, what's in your mind, what's in the employees, what's in the team, what's in the peers' mind. Uh, where do you stand? What what is going well, what not. So, you know, I know what's going on in my head. And um, if we are going in the feedback and I also have maybe to judge some things, to take some decisions, you are the starting point of the conversation. And this is why I always uh, start with you. And then I think also, but this was um, not connected back to our discussions in general, but there's also the saying who who poses the questions is the one who leads. And this was not by me demonstrating I'm leading, but uh, then I get information, I get context, I get emotions which are important to understand for me to take the right decisions. Yeah. And I think this is really important because, Susanna, you don't know how often I talk to people who are growing in their leadership role and they don't do that. And so this is something we work on. And so what you, t what you take as normal is not, always, is not normal everywhere you know so that's why i wanted to bring that up <laughs> yeah and and um you know i you know it better than me is there any difference really by genetics so is there a different <laughs> uh, kind of listening type if you are female or male oh you know um there is some research that shows that women tend to be um um, better listener than men, but I don't know exactly what the criteria was of there. What I think I, I question that. So what I'm wondering is, I think we listen. There are different ways of listening, yeah. And I think there. I have some men in my life who are great listeners, also. So I, if I look at my own personal, um, the people I have on my listening team, the people who I go to, who if I, if I need listen to, I have both women and men on my yeah. team, and. Um, and if I look at my own experience, this is not based on the science, I would say that in general, um, probably the women are a little bit more caretaking and the men are more action oriented, you know, um, and ch challenge me to think, but they, but they both do actually. So, so I question that and I wonder if it's, but I do know now that um, a lot of the, the listening, um, we assume that in that it just happens, but it doesn't just happen. It does take training. It does take practice. And so this is the big message I would say more is, um, even for you, you have actually gotten quite a bit of training through some of the stuff that you explained to me and not everybody's done that. So, um, I think what's important is more about being aware of how my becoming aware of how I do listening, um, and what I listen to and who I listen to, you know, because a lot of times it depends on who and how, um, and then that it is something to be trained in and it is something that we can learn and develop further. I think yeah. that's more important. No, yeah. this is interesting. And, and you are probably right. I, I had the experience uh, recently that um, I'm working for a female um, boss and it's, yeah, it, it's a very interesting approach because she also poses me a lot of questions which is interesting for me and I haven't experienced this over the last six, seven years. So, yeah. and, and as she's female, as I said, I was thinking about if, if this is a kind of leadership style you sometimes um, find more often with female. Yeah. It could be there. There are some ways of listening and it could be that in general, that's the case. Just, um, 
but um, I guess I just don't want to let the guys know that it's just women who listen. <laughs> guys no, got to look. Would, I think this would be also the wrong message. So yeah, whenever yeah. I was trained with my coaching um, experience, also in, in some other trainings, you are totally right. Um, I have seen this uh, with both. Um, yeah. yeah. And, you know, I think um, what's, what's really important is um, – to pay attention to um, what are we, you know, what are we listening? What are we listening for? I've had um, like, I had, just to give you an example, one time I was doing some uh, trainings uh, for a group of engineers and in, in the tech um, world. And one of the guys after the the training, he's like, Whoa, he's like, Oh, um, I thought that if I weren't listening for content, that um, then listening was a waste of my time. And now I know it's so much more. And uh Wow, and I'm going to go home and listen to my wife now. <laughs> you know, so <laughs> he was relating it to work and his wife. <laughs> so I thought that was a good training. <laughs> yeah, this was a double um, achievement. <laughs> double achievement. Yeah. Um, yeah, but I think there's there's a lot more. Uh, also, some more research coming will be coming out recent, you know, soon on on aspects of performance and whatnot. But it's really learning how to listen effectively. Um, is really important. And, and there's lots of different ways to do that. I think it's, that's the big thing. Once, once you dive into it, once people dive into it, it's so much more. And when you think about this boss that you have now and the types of questions she's asking, I'm sure you got questions before, but these questions are different. What's different? I think she, she is focusing on, on business issues and then she's focusing on structural issues, then on team issues. So it's really like a very, great cycle a cycle i also always have in my mind you know mm -hmm. and then also on you know how i feel in a certain situation how much i'm challenged so she's you know i would say she's taking care or poses her questions 360 degree yeah so maybe that's the difference maybe it's not the questions themselves but maybe it's it's the scope Oh, yeah, this is a really good reflection we are just going through. At least yeah. I say that because you are totally right um, that especially around the process and uh, the business topics, yes, I normally receive a lot of questions around that, but that she is tackling in addition how is the team doing, how I am doing, uh, etc. So it's more a holistic view. Yeah. Okay. So, and this is important to pay attention to. Yeah. And I was just thinking, um, you know, thinking about leadership development and supporting even more women to in, in uh, developing as leaders. Um, maybe this is something to pay attention to on what supports like the, the traditional way of just doing questions only about process that perhaps if we open up the scope of questions that we can support more leaders, also women leaders, you know, um, to develop further in the organization. And the question is um, what are the types of questions? Maybe different people need different types of questions to develop. It could yeah, be. Totally. And, you know, and um, if we are, you know, looking back the last 12 months during Corona, we all have experience and you can probably you have read much more literature than than I did around that leadership in digital and Corona times. But we all know when we just focus on, you know, on, on Zoom teams, etc., and just checking where we stand with our business, we will lose so many things 
And um, so now we're really having a full scope of questions for sure adjusted to the person I talk to. I, I always do this by nature. I think you do this too. But, you know, otherwise you do not get a sense where they stand, what is with, with their family. You know, so many people who are, you know, uh, hoping to get a vaccination for their parents or yeah. they have someone who is, um, has a strong disease and needs a vaccination. So I think if you are, especially in Corona, not broadening your scope, how you talk to others one-to-one, -one, then you really risk losing your team, losing people, and you don't see that maybe something very negative is happening in their environment and they really need support. Yeah. Yeah. And I think this is, this is something you're touching on something that's so important. Um, you know, because since we don't, aren't in touch with people all the time, you know, there, there's, you know, a lot of people who didn't hear from people and it turned out it, they could have, it could have been, they had stuff going on or were depressed. And that was the reason not that things were going well and to find time to check in and to go beyond, beyond the work. And like right now I'm, I'm working with a group and they're all men, by the way, um, where, uh, you know, they're, they're on different teams, but they're working together on some leadership topics. And one of the things um, they're realizing is, oh, wow, this is really good for us to be able to have these conversations, to talk about our struggles or what we see as opportunities or the gaps and how um, this is, this relational part is really um, also nourishing them as well as helping them to think more strategically and then to actually go back to their teams and and try some new things out that is working yeah yeah exactly and you know so many people are also in the this time are onboarded new in a position in a company they do not know and so mm -hmm. I, I think the ways how we communicate and, and what we are doing will be uh, for a longer term, very much be influenced by the situation we are going through now. And there are a lot of great, you know, things in um, in digital meetings and things like that. It's very time consuming and lowers travel and a lot of things I also personally can appreciate. But you you have to find the right way to to be on the pulse of your organization, of your team, of decisions. Yeah. And here's, so that's a great, just if to be on the pulse of your organization, of your team, of your decisions. I mean, this is actually, that sounds, that, that could be a whole other uh, conversation, right? Um, you know, on one hand, you know, people don't want to be on video calls the whole time, right? Yeah. So then, but at the same time, how do we stay on the pulse? And, um, and maybe we don't have the answers yet, but I was thinking, you know, I think, um, to find out what is it that we can maybe with updates, can we record something, write something, and then when we're together, actually talk about other things, you know, or to structure the time in a way where voices are heard or creative ways are doing it to touch in with things, to touch into that pulse and make it playful, but also focused um, and, and to connect, to be, make it connective, to make it focused. Um, but also really consider, you know, what, what do we do together when we're on these calls and what do we do outside of that so that we can um, manage the time well and feel energized and not drained. Yeah. And, um, you know, I think 
One is really you can bring excitement by great tools, which are possible for also brainstorming, whiteboards or whatever, where technology, you know, has a gaming factor. And mm-hmm. for some personalities, this works great. <laughs> yeah. And for some personality, it, it simply works great when, when you just call them without video <laughs> on a normal right. phone. Yeah, <laughs> and, that's and, nice. And do a chat. And then, you know, formats like, you know, what's possible now, let, let's meet for a walk during lunchtime. Yeah. Uh, because this is allowed. And then we do a walk. And uh, anyhow, it's it's said uh, sociological that when you are walking, your thoughts More creative. are structured. <laughs> yeah, and structured are differently. So I think it's it's finding the right mixture, and maybe the mixture is never perfect. But you know, trying to find new puzzle stones, how you can enlighten a little bit this zoom fatigue. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so Susanna, you know, we've talked, we've kind of been all over the place and, and, um, and talked about a lot of different topics. Um, is there, is there something, um, that I haven't asked you yet that, um, you'd like to either share or talk about? Maybe one question back to you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm not laughing okay. about this at the end. I'm not um, surprised. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, um, this is really something which, um, I'm often thinking about if I get in this kind of team dialogue and I'm really very much looking for honest feedback, et cetera, et cetera. I see that people um, often link with, um, I can give feedback, I can have my question, people are listening to me, that uh, all the points they are given are also taken in consideration, that this is what I normally do, but often people then also link back the expectation that you decide how they would like the decision to be. And this is something where I, I see that I'm sometimes struggling because I want to have the open feedback, but this doesn't mean that there is always consensus. Right. And this is something where it's tricky to find the right balance. Maybe you have a good advice for me. <laughs> um, well, I'm not sure. But what I do, what I, this is what I do know, um, that um, listening to people does not mean that you agree or that you're going to do something, you know, um, Listening is just about, um, it has to do with understanding, not only maybe the content, the context, you know, also diving, part listening can be that when you're listening to others, you are actually helping them to get clear for themselves, right? Not only you getting clear about for yourself, but you're also helping them get, think through things and get clear for themselves. Because often um, when, um, when people speak, it's not actually about you. It's about them um, themselves. They may ask you a question, but they actually have an answer that they want to say, or they have some things on their mind that needs to get out. And and so one, one idea is to even ask them further beyond that and see what they think just to, to help them think through things um, a little bit more, you know, that that's because usually there's more in our minds than what they actually say at the surface. I mean, so in those circumstances, but the other thing is, um, with decisions, what they say in terms of consensus is that um, it doesn't mean that everybody has to agree with the um, with the decision. But what people do want is that you've actually listened to them and taken what they've said into consideration. 
and for the decision, even if the decision was made differently or not what they exactly what they want. They want to know that what they said or their input was taken into consideration. And um, I think it's also important that when a decision is made, that they're able, you know, are they able to, even if they don't agree with it, they are able to go along with it, you know, to work with it, even if it's not exactly what they want. And often that comes if it's more likely to come if they've, if they feel like all the information and everybody's input was chewed on and then decided afterwards. And then the, and then are they able to understand it and communicate it? This is also in communication to the people around them. Um, are they able to go along with it and communicate it to others? Because I think sometimes decisions are made, but um, I, I don't know if this is your, with your case, because you guys are in the, you work more in the communication world, but often decisions can be made, but people don't know what to do with it or how to explain that afterwards. And then that is part of the resistance as well. Yeah. What to do with it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. I don't know if that answered your question, but. (laughs) Yes, you did. (laughs) And thank you. And I very much um, enjoyed uh, our talk today, Raquel. Yeah, well, um, I appreciate you very much also as a leader. And to be honest, um, what I, I was just thinking, oh, there's so many other things I could have asked you. And one of the things that I um, will tell you is that when I was, when you were my boss, you were not my easiest boss, <laughs> necessarily. Um, but you challenged me to grow beyond what I even knew was possible for myself. And I think you did that for the whole team. And so this is also interesting. How do you challenge people to grow beyond what they even see in themselves? And, um, and you know, and yet we were motivated to like try, you know? Um, and I think that I can say that for, for most of our team. And, and this is really, um, I appreciate that because a lot of even what I'm doing here and now, I also learned a lot of skills um, in the work, in the job, in the role that I had. And that was, you know, in our circumstance and especially under the, you know, when you think about Cogniz and what we did, we did, we worked a lot (laughs) and we did a lot of different, um, we, our communication role ranged in so many different areas. And and then also going through, um, you know, the investor selling Cogniz and that was a huge uh, learning curve for all of us. Right. Oh yeah. That's true. And thank you. Um, yeah. So thank you so much, Susanna, for this interview and, um, for your insight. And, um, I hope, and I know that you're a great role model also for other women leaders in the world. So, um, and, um, maybe that will be for another conversation then at another time. This sounds perfect. I will be there. (laughs) All right. Thank you so much, Susanna. Thank you, Akel. I am your host, Raquel Ark, from Listening Alchemy, and I hope you are inspired by this episode of Listen In, and find one person today to practice your listening superpower. Please subscribe and like this podcast and share it with others so we can catalyze a listening movement together. A big thank you to Evo Tiemann for producing the music and Cecilia Mercado for getting this podcast set up. Find more information at www.listeningalchemy.com. Enjoy listening in.